Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I always wanted to. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Explore the Native American culture and traditions. That's why I booked a tour to visit a reservation. Little did I know that it would turn out to be the scariest experience of my life. It was a sunny day when we arrived at the reservation. Our tour guide, a friendly Native American man, took us on a tour around the place. He told us about their traditions and showed us some of the ancient artifacts and burial sites. As we were walking around, one of the tourists accidentally kicked a small rock near one of the burial sites. Suddenly, we heard a loud growl coming from the site. The guide's expression changed, and he told us to quickly leave the area. We were all confused and scared, but we followed his orders. As we were walking back, I could hear something following us, something that sounded like it was growling and snarling. We finally reached our campsite, and the guide told us to stay in our tents and not to leave until morning. He said that we had disturbed an ancient burial site and awakened a vengeful spirit known as the Wendigo. I could feel the fear slowly creeping up my spine. That night, we could hear strange noises coming from outside our tents. 
The growling sound was getting louder, and we could hear branches snapping and leaves rustling. Suddenly we heard a blood-curdling scream. I could feel my heart racing, and I knew that something was very wrong. I peeked out of my tent and saw a huge figure standing near the entrance. It was a creature that looked like a human, but with long arms and legs, and its eyes were glowing red. I knew then that it was the Wendigo, and it was coming for us. We tried to call for help, but there was no signal on our phones. We were trapped with no way out. The Wendigo started to attack our tents, ripping them apart with its long arms. I could hear my fellow tourists screaming in terror. Suddenly, a Native American man appeared, carrying a burning torch. He shouted something in his language, and the Wendigo turned to face him. The man walked towards the creature, holding the torch high. The creature backed away, growling and snarling. The man kept walking, and the creature finally vanished into the darkness. The man told us that he was a shaman, and that he had been summoned to help us. He said that the Wendigo was a vengeful spirit, and that we had disturbed its resting place. He performed a ritual to calm the spirit down and send it back to where it came from. The next morning, the guide told us that we were lucky to have survived the attack of the Wendigo. He said that we had to be careful when visiting ancient burial sites, as they were sacred places that should not be disturbed. I knew then that I would never forget this experience, that I had witnessed something that few people ever get to see. It was back sometime in 2019, late in the year. One of my friends, whose name is Ted, saw something in the middle of the night. Tired and feeling fatigued, he woke up, rolling out of his bed to head to the bathroom and then the kitchen for a late-night snack. Whilst indulging in his snack, he began walking around his living room until he made his way to the back of the house window. It was on the second floor by the kitchen, to which, while staring outside at whatever, a sudden figure in his backyard caught his attention. The yard is huge, and nothing really in it aside from two trees, one of which has since rotted and fallen down. He noticed a bit past the since-rotted tree was a figure with glowing reds, large snout, and standing at an approximate seven to eight feet tall from seeing the creature reared up on its legs and judging its size by how tall it appeared to be next to the tree. It also had jet black fur, as well as a muscular physique similar to Arnold back in the 80s, a long snout with very large perked ears similar to a German shepherd or wolf, and what looked to be antlers, or maybe that was just part of its long ears. He doesn't really know, because it was very dark. The creature took a sniff and looked directly at him. As his eyes met the gaze of the creature's eyes, he noticed that the eyes were a shade of blood red, the same color mentioned before. He couldn't believe what he was seeing, but also mentioned he'd seen so many weird things and such that he wasn't really fazed by it in the slightest. He knew what he was looking at was the real deal, and saw its breath in the cold night air. As the creature grunted and bared its teeth, it also started growling at him. The growl wasn't that of any normal animal, but a deep primal guttural growl, nothing like he's ever heard before. The creature then took one last gaze at him and ran off, jumping the fence. He shortly afterwards returned to his room, laying in his bed, wondering what did he really see. He found it hard to fall back to sleep, but late on, luckily did. He still wonders to this day if the creature will ever return, 
or if he will ever see it again. This encounter was not far away from where I live, but is absolutely horrifying to think about, because we live in the suburbs. To this day, he still does not know what he really saw, and it can only be left up to whomever's imagination. My father worked at NASA's Johnson Space Flight Center. As a teenager growing up in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, I was also able to make my way into the great outdoors. I was a Boy Scout, and we would take numerous camping trips throughout Texas, the hill country, and the piney woods. My mother's parents owned a ranch in northeast Texas, and it was a frequent family destination for holidays and sometimes just for a family vacation. I learned how to fish, hunt, and pitch a tent, basic survival skills at an early age. I would often take treks into the woods by myself without a care in the world. Thinking back on certain events that happened back then, I now look back on it with a different viewpoint, mostly because what I'm about to tell you is my later experience in the Ozark National Forest at night, and it has profoundly changed the way I look at my life. I moved to northwest Arkansas in 2005. My brother and mother had earlier moved to Rees Mill, Arkansas. I would frequently fish at Lake Lincoln. I would often park my truck a short walking distance from the dam and then walk up and fish from the dam bank. During one visit I began to work my way off the dam and into some thick brush and trees to get to the larger boulder protruding over the lake's bank. As I approached the tree line, I began to have an eerie feeling. It came over me out of nowhere. Now, I've been in the woods alone many times before and have never felt this sensation. I quickly grabbed my rod and reeled along with my tackle box and I made it back to my truck. I've not been back to Lake Lincoln since a year later, around 2007. I had moved 40 minutes from my mother's place. I had just gone into business for myself. I was single and lived alone. I would often get bored and would take drives throughout the mountains and sometimes even at night. One late night I decided I need to get out for a long ride. I was going to head to my mother's place. I started down the freeway and then exited off onto Highway 16. I continued down Highway 16 for about 20 miles and then I turned left onto County Road 33 and then it would just be another 10 miles or so before turning off to get to my mother's home. I went across the Illinois River Bridge and made a sharp curve to the left. It went up a steep hill and then entered the Ozark National Forest. It was dark, only my headlights lighting up my way. At the time, there was no cell service. I was smack dab in the middle of nowhere. I reached Weddington Lake. As I began to climb up the next hill, I remembered there was a small pull-off lookout to my left and I needed to relieve myself. I pulled my truck over across the oncoming lane and onto the lookout shoulder. I left my motor running along with my headlights. I stepped out, leaving my truck door open, and I began to relieve myself. To the right of me, there was somewhat of a cliff overseeing a small pond on the opposite side of the lake, which was to my left. I found myself fixated on that ridge top. I then had this overwhelming feeling come over me. The hairs on the back of my neck began to stand up and goosebumps were running down my arms. There was a strong feeling that someone or something was watching me. I was standing outside of a lit up truck in the middle of nowhere and I was a sitting duck. I quickly finished, jumped into my truck. 
threw it into drive, and I squealed my wheels up the hill. Some years later, I married and had become a father. My family and I went hiking through the same lake, but on the other side. There was a rock-covered enclosure that the Parks and Recreation had built some years back. While there, those same eerie feelings came back. Something wasn't right. I kept it to myself, and we finished our day of fun. A short time later, I found myself researching Bigfoot sightings in Arkansas. A significant sighting had been documented in that same area just prior to my roadside event. I also read of a sighting of a red-headed Bigfoot digging in the sand, underneath a bridge along the Illinois River. I come to find out that sightings had been documented all over this area, dating back many years. I then began to think of my childhood, and the things began to add up like the time my grandmother would tell my brother and me as kids not to venture back into certain parts of the wooded areas. Also, the times Grandpa's bird dogs would go into a barking frenzy in the middle of the night and he would step outside shooting a shotgun into the air. I can't adventure into the woods much anymore, certainly not alone, and certainly not at night. I'm a Bigfoot believer. I truly feel that my overwhelming strange feelings were the result of a Bigfoot either watching me or being in the area. Good afternoon. I am an Orthodox priest from Russia. In 2020, one in the Crimea in the mountains above Yalta, I personally saw Bigfoot. It was attracted by the sound of the whistle on which I played in the Utah strike. Bigfoot went out to a rock located opposite the west of me. I was on the east side of the gorge. There were about 300 meters between us. It looked tall, strikingly taller than a man, massive body and shoulders, long arms and long legs. While I took out the camera to photograph him, he went up the slope with huge steps of about two meters approximately. When I photographed the place where he was, all the pictures were overexposed, and my Canon EOS 5D Mark II let me down for the first time, such as the short story of my second and such a bright meeting with Bigfoot. I grew up around Point Pleasant. As a kid, the Mothman was ubiquitous. Everyone had a story. Relatives, neighbors, friends, brothers, roommates, you get the idea. Just hearing about it always gave me the chills. My parents divorced when I was young, and me and my mom eventually moved out of Point Pleasant. I was an only child, and I'd spent summers with my dad. I loved them, but I didn't feel like I was that connected with them back then. He used to take me camping a lot. He was an outdoorsman, and he loved introducing me to the beauty of nature. It was okay, but honestly, I would have rather watched movies or played video games. During one of our trips, I wandered from our site to gather wood for a fire. The sun had already gone down, and it was getting pretty dark. I wandered a bit too far, and as I looked around, I didn't see my dad or our tit. That's when I heard this strange clicking sound coming from up in the trees. I looked up and froze, dropping the sticks in my hands. The shadowy figure was perched high in the branches, maybe about twenty feet up. Two glowing red eyes pierced the darkness, staring right at me. They were big and round, and I remember being held under their spell, like I was hypnotized or something. I was convinced it was the Mothman. 
The branches creaked as the creature stood up and spread its massive wings. It swooped down from the tree, shrieking. I docked and covered my eyes and felt this gust of wind as it skimmed over me. I stayed curled up in a ball, screaming, until I felt my dad pick me up and hug me. Said it was the Mothman as I sobbed uncontrollably. He calmed me down and we walked back to our tent where he cooked us dinner of hot dogs and canned beans. We ate in silence and he could tell that I was still bothered by the experience. We heard an owl in the trees and he said a lot of times, owls are mistaken for the Mothman. He took out a flashlight and shined it around the trees trying to find the owl. Sure enough, he caught it and its eyes reflected this orange-red glow. The owl flew off after being identified, but I was sure the creature I saw was much bigger. I asked him what the Mothman was. He thought for a moment, then he said it was a force of nature that we just don't understand. But it shouldn't be feared. Instead, it should be revered and respected. I never heard of the Mothman described that way, and I asked him if he ever saw it himself. He paused thoughtfully, smiled, and shook his head no. Normally, after dinner, we'd stargaze, and my dad would point out the constellations. But I just went into the tent and tried to go to sleep. That night, I had a horrible dream with a vivid imagery of fire, broken glass, and twisted metal. At the time, I had no idea what it meant, but it was so real. I woke up screaming. Once again, my dad had to calm me down when I told him about my dream. He gave me a strange look. We weren't scheduled to leave until the following afternoon. But I was so unnerved I begged him to go home early. My dad was a good sport and didn't complain. As we packed up our stuff, I felt guilty and apologized for ruining the trip. He reassured me that everything would be okay, and that we'd make up for it with a movie night. As soon as we got on to Route 62, I felt much better. The next day, we were watching TV in the afternoon and a breaking news story interrupted the program. Apparently, there was a major pileup on Route 62. After a big rig overturned, several cars were involved and there were fatalities. It stopped traffic in both directions for hours. My dad commented that it happened on the same route that we took home. If we stuck to our schedule and left the campground when we were originally supposed to, we very well could have been involved in that accident. They continued watching the news in silence before finally turning to me and admitting that he did see the Mothman once, when he was in high school. At least he thought he did. He and some friends were driving along Route 62 one night. They were drag racing. He knew it was a stupid thing to do, but they were just teenagers. Suddenly, a winged creature started following them. No matter how fast they drove it easily, kept up he said it was dark and that he couldn't make out its features. But he never forgot its large glowing eyes. He and his friends slowed down and the creature disappeared. That night he had a dream exactly like the one I had. He thought it was a warning and vowed never to race. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
again. Unfortunately, his friend died in a car wreck a few weeks later while drag racing. One of the things that you hear about the Mothman is that he brings doom. Like the infamous Silver Bridge collapse in 1967 that more or less introduced him. While some blamed him for that event and other tragedies over the years, my dad believed that the Mothman was just an omen. How you interpret it is entirely up to you. I know some would say he's evil personify, a servant of the devil or something like that. I don't think he's good or evil, he just is. He doesn't pick sides. But if you see him set aside your fear and pay attention to what he's trying to tell you, I don't know what I actually saw that night in the forest. It was dark and my overactive kid imagination immediately saw a monster. But like my dad said, and even proved, it could have been an owl. I can't help but think that the signing in my dreams were the Mothman trying to warn me. Just like he warned my dad, I wondered how many other people he appeared to. And how many of them listened. The relationship between me and my dad changed that summer. We became closer. I guess sharing bizarre experiences will do that. I haven't seen the Mothman since, but I haven't been afraid either. My dad is old now, and we don't go camping like we used to, but I cherish every moment with him. In some way, the Mothman taught me that life is fleeting and never take it for granted. My husband and I frequent a local weekly farmer's market. We generally start up at the top building so he can run to use the bathroom. I stand patiently outside and wait. I am an anxious and empathetic person, so I try to just keep to myself as I wait. So I'm just standing there, probably staring at the floor or something, and this guy comes out of the bathroom and just stands beside me. Oh, whatever. I look up and he looks at me and says, going to be a full moon tonight said something else about luck, and I just kind of stood there looking at him. Husband comes out of the bathroom, and we head off. A short while later, this man and another man walk by. The man who spoke to me earlier looked my way, said something to the other guy I couldn't catch, then said I'd know her anywhere. Okay, next up, I travel a lot, and we like to visit odd places. We stopped at this radio place, an older woman walked people through. Her husband had collected them and had passed away. There was a smaller shed building and then a garage. I had gone in the shed just a moment and left my husband to go back to the truck. After a short while, him and the woman came out of the shed. She walked over to me with hands cupped, kinda shyly, and said she had a gift for me. I said, oh yeah, a gift, and put my hands out in front of her where she placed a beaded Christmas spider. She didn't really say much other than there's info online about them. I got out of the truck to follow them along in the garage. I had the gift in my hand. I swear when I walked through that garage, I felt all these tiny little spiderweb threads tickling my legs and arm. I was brushing at my leg as though to well brush it away. No one else seemed to notice. Even after going back outside, I had mentioned it to my husband. He brushed me off like I did the webs. I went to a friend's house in the Bridgeport area of Harrison County, West Virginia, to sight in my new rifle. He began to tell me a story of a strange animal that was killed on this farm by the man who owned it before his death. The farmer was a coon hunter and went out almost every night. 
One night, the farmer's dogs got on a scent and took off. They ran for about an hour and stopped at the base of a tree as usual. The farmer made his way up the hill to the tree to shoot the coon the dogs had cornered. There was nothing there, though. Thinking this was very strange, he started to look around when he noticed a tree. With its limbs shaking, something was jumping from tree to tree to keep from being seen. The farmer, finding this very strange, went and told my friend what had happened and dismissed it altogether. About a week later, the supposed creature did the same trick. This made the old man suspicious because his dogs were very well trained and had never let him down before. This happened for about a month when one night the dogs treed an animal and the farmer got there quickly and shot it. To his surprise, it was no coon. It had long grayish-brown hair and was about five feet tall. Its hands were human-like and its feet were more hand-like than anything. I told my friend he was crazy, so he decided to prove it to me. He told me the old man kept the animal but did not have it mounted because he was afraid he had done something wrong. My friend took me to the old barn and there it was. The old man had nailed its carcass to the wall. I was shocked. It was built a lot like a human and had hair six or seven inches long on it. It had very large sharp teeth and resembled some kind of ape looking creature. I told my friend I wouldn't say anything about it, but I feel that it is my duty to report this. If anyone has any idea what the animal could be, please let me know. This happened somewhere between 2007, 2011, summer or fall. Clear sky with a full moon, if I remember right. It wasn't too long after sunset. My friend and I were walking through a cemetery on the edge of town. As we were walking down the main lane through the cemetery, something came running from the gate and passed us on our left. My friend had laughed and asked if I had heard that, and I stopped walking and responded that no, but I had seen it. As the thing had passed between head zones, I caught a look. It looked like a pale, emaciated humanoid that was running on all fours. It had no hair at all that I could see, and I did not get a look at the face. It was moving far faster than any person running on hands' feet should have been able to. My friend and I just stayed frozen there and waited for another friend to come and get us, because we were too scared to move. It continued to circle us as we could hear it moving around. It never seemed threatening. If anything, it seemed curious scared of us, but who knows? I do know that it was not a coyote or a stray dog. I never saw the face, but I did see the head. It did not have a muzzle. There was no tail, either. It definitely didn't have fur. It had pale, almost bluish skin, and I remember I could make out the ribs from where I was standing. Forgive me if this is a hot mess of a post. I was up all night researching this thing, and when I did fall asleep, I didn't sleep well. I was driving down the highway one night around 3 a.m. heading home from work. Usually I would only pass one car every few minutes. Per usual I saw lone headlights coming over the hill towards me on the other side of the highway. As I got within in about 300 yards or so, they abruptly turned almost at a 90 degree angle towards the woods. I was confused at first due to the darkness, thinking it was a wild teenager taking an exit at high speed. 
The headlights came bulleting out of the woods, straight over the highway and towards me. So I slammed the brakes, and the car flipped and spun around upside down and landed against the guardrail on my right. I was stopped at this point and ran out to help. A man, bloody, crawled out of his upside-down car, and all he said was, Don't call the police. He pulled himself over the guardrail and stumbled down towards the wood line and disappeared. So I got in my car and went home. In the early 1990s, Bob drove up the M62 to Manchester, where he was due to perform a comedy routine as part of a cabaret show. As usual, Bob's performance was very warmly received by the audience, and in appreciation decided to go back on stage for a further 20 minutes. While he was performing his additional material, he noticed a beautiful-looking woman of about 25 or 30 years of age sitting at a table. She was smiling at Bob, and she reminded him of the 70s film actress Farrah Fawcett Majors. After he had finished his comedy act and had basked in the audience's enthusiastic applause, Bob went backstage and changed. Then the manager of the club escorted him to a specially reserved table for a meal and a drink. Just before the next performer took to the stage, Bob made his way over to the table where the woman was sitting alone and asked her if she would care to join him. The woman smiled and accepted without any hesitation. She was very tall and looked even more attractive at closer quarters. She had sapphire blue eyes and long blonde hair. In a soft voice, she said, my name's Danielle. Her accent was not a local one, but was difficult to place. Bob ordered champagne and was soon flirting with Danielle. The woman, however, refused the champagne and preferred to sip mineral water. There was a stay behind at the club, and it was not long before Bob and Danielle were dancing slowly, tightly embracing each other. He learned that the reason Danielle was on her own was that her boyfriend had arranged to meet her at the club, but had not turned up for some reason. She told him that she lived in St. Helens, and Bob said that, as she had not been drinking, she could drive him home to Merseyside in his car. Danielle was not keen and instead preferred that Bob stay overnight at her home until he was fit enough to drive in the morning. At 3 a.m., Bob and Danielle left the club in Manchester and walked through the chilly night air towards the club car park. Danielle shivered in her sleeveless top, so Bob gave her his leather jacket. Danielle had to strap Bob's seatbelt on for him because he was so intoxicated. Minutes later, the couple embarked on the return journey down the M62. During the journey, Bob fumbled for the controls of the car radio, but Danielle's hand intercepted his, and so the couple sat in silence as the car sped along the motorway. Suddenly stirring from his alcohol-induced doze, Bob turned to look at Danielle and saw something that still gives him nightmares to this day. The girl's beautiful features had contorted into what can only be described as a demonic scowl. Her head swiveled towards him, and her eyes turned blood red, and her mouth opened wide, twice as wide as a normal mouth, to reveal a fearsome array of pointed teeth. The comedian instantly became sober, but felt faint and breathless with the shock. The girl sitting in the driving seat of his car must be some sort of supernatural entity and was driving him goodness knows where. As if it was able to read his mind, the thing in the driving seat screamed with manic laughter in zigzag between the lanes of the motorway. Bob was not a religious man, but he suddenly found himself imploring, Jesus, please save me. 
The car screeched into a 180-degree turn and slid off the hard shoulder onto a slip road, then veered into a ditch. Bob opened the door and tried to get out, but in his blind panic, he forgot to unclick his seatbelt. He cried out desperately for help and looked back in terror at the seat beside him. It was empty except for his leather jacket. There was no trace of the fiend who had been masquerading as a woman. The police found Bob wandering along the hard shoulder of the M62, and he gabbled out his bizarre tale, but was not believed. The police checked the club, and the management confirmed that Bob had left with a woman and that she had driven him home. Not one person at the club had any idea who Daniel was. Bob was badly shaken by the spine, chilling incident, and has never appeared at the Manchester Club since. Last summer I got a job as a custodian at my former school. Having been established in the 1800s, the current building having been built in roughly the 1910s, you see some strange things working at night and even early morning. Within my first week I spotted a shadow with white eyes hovering in the corner above the band room. I nicknamed him the Watcher because you can occasionally feel him in the room watching you. He does not like to be spotted though. When I caught sight of him that day, I could feel that he was not happy about it, so I, of course, walked away. I have other paranormal and similar stories working where I do, including shadows roaming the halls at night, orbs of light, and others that need background to explain. It was mid-November, 2020. Wine and me and about ten friends were camping in the woods in the Sawtooth National Forest near Petite Lake. There were two groups of four people in two tents and one in a car, and me and my buddy were in hammocks near the edge of the camp. It's about 1 a.m. and we all had been sleeping for about two hours. I wake up to my hammock mate panting extremely heavily and yelling my name. I am confused and get up and help him. He is paralyzed by fear. He said that he had an extremely vivid dream that there was a black figure, tall and slender, trying to break into his car after he had seen this figure decapitate me and the rest of his friends. He said that he woke up to the figure near the car and saw all of our heads stuck on sticks throughout the camp. He proceeded, he said, to click the car alarm button and the figure began to run circles around the car and the stop, then dashed off extremely quickly into the woods. I was obviously freaked out at this point, and I immediately felt very uneasy. But I told him it was just a bad dream, and that he needs to go back to sleep. Him and I tried for about five minutes, both stricken with fear at this point, when we hear our friend in the tent begin to yell, No! No, don't take me! Side note, we had not awoken anyone else in the camp at this point. This freaked me and my buddy out quite a bit, because we had no idea what was going on. We were also very vulnerable in our hammock by ourselves, on the edge of our about 50 yard across camp. Our buddies' yells proceed to wake up most of the rest of the camp, and we find out that our friend in the car that my buddy said clicked the car alarm of was awake. So all of us scared and awake have a conversation about what is going on, and the buddy in the car says that he heard scratching on the window and heard something pull the door. He also said that he had seen the black figure running around the car as well. We were all freaked at this point and decided to move into the same tent, 
Our friend with a dream also claimed a similar murder story to the friend in the hammock. The next morning we all talked, and so many of us experienced what happened that night, six in total, that we determined that it must have been some sort of being that was giving us nightmares. We called it a Wendigo, but we have no idea. Also, we had friends that stayed at the same site about six months earlier, and a few of them did notice weird things happening at camp at night, like feelings of being watched or feeling of a being walking around their tent. Strange stuff in the Idaho mountains. What does this sound like, and what do you all think?